In this episode, we discuss some changes to leg up health, the end of my sabbatical, and more. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up, Tyler? Hey, Rick. Uh, I'm living that post-sabbatical life. I'm back to normal life as of... uh, uh, Rick's over there cracking up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I... so. For people who haven't been keeping up, I took six weeks off my uh, day job at Less Annoying CRM to work with Rick here, and uh, that's done. Friday was my first day back at Less Annoying. That's amazing. Remind remind me, what is the policy you guys have? Is it every couple years? Every three years, anyone can take a six-month paid, and then they, if they want, they can extend... Oh, sorry, not six months, six weeks paid, and then extend up to six weeks unpaid. So... It's between six and 12 weeks, but if you want to get paid the whole time, it's six weeks. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I think, and so every three years means, you know, assuming people take them as often as they can, roughly uh, a third of the company is taking a sabbatical in a given year, which I'll admit when we made the policy, I didn't really do that math because now, you know, we've got 19 people. So something like six people a year are taking sabbaticals, which is awesome. And also like it, it, it's kind of an interesting operational thing that we have to be ready for people to leave for extended periods of time. But that's probably good for the resiliency of the company. Forces capacity constraint conversations, like all sorts of really healthy discussions. Um, and I would argue that people probably for that benefit are willing to work a little bit extra to make it uh, stay around. Yeah. there A, a dynamic at Less Annoying CRM is we probably, we definitely pay customer service people above market rate. We arguably i don't want to say we underpay devs but like we're not we're not playing the game of like let's compete with google you know that type of salary we're paying them fairly for st louis software engineers but i do get the impression that you can make up for that but like how many companies give you sabbaticals like this and various other things like you can use benefits to supplement uh compensation in pretty meaningful ways i think and i think we've talked about this before but once you past a certain amount of household income um, today, like you're no longer evenly motivated by additional income. It's like, there's mm-hmm. like, like special like motivations that come into play that, uh, that are triggered by benefit that could be addressed by benefits that are less expensive. Um, but uh, from a cash comp standpoint, but more meaningful uh, to them. Yeah. Yeah. At least two of the people this year, if not three are taking the extra six weeks unpaid. Which is a pretty solid proof that like the money is less important to them than the time off. Yep. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I I got back to work on Friday, and I was expecting like, you know, after I, I don't want to say I didn't work for six weeks. Like I checked Slack, I responded to some things, but I'd say I put in a total of three days of work over the six weeks. Like not much. I thought I was going to come back to like lots of stuff to do, just things that had come up that people didn't know how to deal with, or. I don't know, whatever. And I honestly, Friday was just a very normal, calm work day for me, uh, which makes me feel all kinds of things. I'm sure. Um, most, uh, I think most like uh, stereotypical startup founder CEOs would be having an identity crisis right now. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, uh, I think I'm deep enough in this, you know, at 13 years that um, I... It, 
it should the company should be able to run without me. But you also kind of yeah, in the back of your head, you're like, but I don't I don't want everything to be great without me, right? Because like then what what value am I providing? Um, yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. <laughs> if I'm being how are you honest. dealing with it? Uh, well, I think the good outweighs the bad is the good thing. And also, I know that the bad is I don't want to say irrational. It's rational, but it's like it's unsavory. You shouldn't want the company to struggle without you. It's just an ego thing. And so I, I can say, A, I acknowledge that's not a good impulse to have. And B, I, instead of having a really stressful, hectic, chaotic day, I had a really calm one. And what, what this really makes me realize is maybe, so like pre-sabbatical, uh, I did a lot of work I didn't love doing. I, I, on average, I love my job. But, you know, like anyone, there's the stuff you have to do and the stuff you want to do. And I had a mixture of both. And after seeing this, I'm kind of like, maybe post sabbatical, like I can just do more of the stuff I want to do because it seems like things ran just fine without me. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I kind of expect it to revert back to the mean, but we'll see. Um, are you, this may not be podcast material, so feel free to like say, no, thanks. Um, I don't want to talk about this, but are there any things that you've come back to that are bad habits that have developed or uh, new things that are, that weren't there because you were gone came mm-hmm. and, and that, that are, uh, combative with like what the company you're trying to build. Like me, that like the company went in a direction over those six weeks. Uh, if that's the case, I haven't noticed it yet. Um, Friday was an, uh, Friday's a remote day. So I haven't actually been in the office and been around people really yet, but, um, no, I mean, it kind of seems like everything was fine. I, I do think there's, to the topic of like the things you have to do versus things you want to do, like uh, a leader has to periodically refresh stuff. I think um, you have to give people like you have to say what the long term vision is every few months, every six months, or whatever, or else people forget. And it doesn't it doesn't have consequences within six weeks, but eventually it would. So I do think like I can't just let it coast forever. To be clear, but no, I haven't noticed anything like going wrong it's also the type of thing maybe people will maybe an employee will reach out next week and be like hey actually uh i've got a big problem and i've been waiting for you to come back to say it i haven't heard that yet but it could happen i'd be very interested in a uh, four weeks from now update on sort of the the long tail of the sabbatical impact um mm-hmm. there there are two potential things I, I think there'll be two buckets of things one is this waited for you while you were out um and shouldn't have waited. Uh, and I'm interested in th- that bucket. And then there's things that are like benefits of you leaving that are getting squashed now that you're back or people feel squashed because you're back. And I'd be interested yeah. in those things. Yeah. I'll make a note to, uh, yeah. to give an update in a bit. Cool. Just, um, so, I, just so you know, like I, I'll just tell a quick story. Like I actually took a long vacation for the first time at, P- at Zane benefits back in the day. And basically I came back to people telling me, Oh, we got more work done than we've ever gotten done. Uh, they had put me in an office, uh, so that like they like, moved my desk. I, <laughs> it was like uh, I was not, I was the, people were not happy to receive me back. They were like, we we, we prefer you. We wish you were not the CEO of this company. Uh, so good job of not getting that that welcome back. Yeah, but I mean that's also I mean that means you you put a company together that obviously you wish people were celebrating <laughs> you a little more, but. The worst is you come back and it's like, oh, the company was fa- in the process of failing if you weren't coming back. That's the worst thing you can hear. I That's think. fair. That may- You just made me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> you did a bad job as CEO if you leaving <laughs> destroys the company. That's fair. Um, 
So yeah, uh, I can talk a little more about less annoying, or we can move over to you. What do you think? No, I keep going on this. Um, okay. Uh, what 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 is your new job? Well, I mean, the thing I like most is product stuff. So, um, just coincidentally, the sabbatical, my sabbatical, kind of happened at the worst time because we're very close to launching this major redesign, the the biggest thing we've launched in quite a while. Um, and not only is it big, big, but it's very design heavy. And as the main designer, like. Like there are some like launching Zapier. There's no UI to Zapier. It's entirely a technical project. So I didn't really have that much to say there. This is one where like there's just so there, like we had literally over a hundred Notion cards at the beginning of this of like things to do and like what order do you do them in is like a big thing. But so what I did on Friday, I just love and it's it's total bureaucracy. I took a look at the Notion board and I said, okay, we're aiming to launch this redesign. May, I think, 13, May 11th, I think, was the date we had. And I looked at it, and I was just like, uh, half of these things can get pushed towards to after the launch. Now we're launching May 1st or something like that. I just moved Notion cards around all day, and I was talking to people. I was like, do we need this? What's the status of that? Blah, blah, blah. But I moved launch date up over a week. Um, I don't know why. I just love fiddling with the the project management of something like that thinking through all the second and third order consequences uh, it's mm -hmm. it's uh and i i agree it's really fun um so that. i'd like to do That's, yeah i mean yeah. it's not the uh the company does not need that every day forever right it's just because we're in this moment in time but when we're not doing that then i think the other thing i really want to be spending time on is is the actual designing and thinking through uh th this redesign is not the fun kind of design it's like Oh, uh, you know, are the corners rounded and stuff like that. Um, but the next thing is we want to think through how to build an event invite system into our calendar that needs to be better than what Google and Outlook offer so, to the point that people it's worth it for people to click through an email invite to our site to interact with the event in some meaningful way, because that's part of our kind of like viral product like growth thing. Thinking through how to make that product is something I'm really excited to work on. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. So I know there will be management and all that stuff, uh, but the the product stuff is what I hope I can put more time into in the future. Fascinating. Um, any other like any other updates related to getting back in the swing of things? Like, is your sleep schedule back to normal? It's back to normal. Yeah, it definitely helped. That I, I could imagine a really rough transition if if a sabbatical was like. I'm on vacation for six weeks and then you just go back to work. I could imagine that being tough because six weeks is enough time for you to lose all your habits and all that. But as we're going to talk about later in the podcast, I've been working with you this whole time. And yeah, I had more flexibility. I didn't have to be on Slack as much. I could nap more during the day, but like I was still fundamentally working a normal day most days. So I didn't have that much of an adjustment. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. You want to talk about uh, you and Leg Up Health and me? <laughs> yeah. So where do we start? Like, I've got kind of three big updates related to Leg Up. What we we're calling the Leg Up Benefits uh, platform, but now we're just calling it the Leg Up application. Um, what What do you? Yep. Where do you want to start? Maybe can we start with in case this is uh, anyone has not been following along? I also think like Leg Up Health slash Benefits is far enough from a lot of people's wheelhouse that I, I would guess a lot of listeners never fully grokked what it is. Can you just give an update on like, what is Leg Up Health? What was Leg Up Benefits? Like, what was the starting point before we give updates here? Yeah. So probably a month ago, uh, we, we 
Leg Up Health is the company name. Leg Up Health was focused purely on uh, serving consumers uh, on Utah marketplace plans. Um, and health insurance. Uh, uh, health insurance, excuse me. Thank you. Um, so think of it as B2C, business to, to consumer health insurance services. Um, we, weren't, we aren't the health insurance company, but we're the, think of it as the advisor or like the, um, age, we, the, the term is agent or broker on the insurance policy. And we earn a commission from the insurance company to be the, the person that is um, helping the consumer. Um, and, and, that, and we're growing that business. That business is the main source of our revenue. Um, it's where we've been focusing. It's, it's, it's not an easy business because it's um, highly uh, regulated um, and it's um, also very service oriented. And so, um, and then work, you know, the, the, the ecosystem is uh, la- lags a lot of tech in terms of what's available. So um, that's that. And then, you know, JD and I had, had our offsite uh, kind of late February. And then we were talking on the podcast about how now that we've, we've built this consumer thing, do we focus on just consumers or do we start branching out to focus on employers as well? Because in the United States, uh, health, health insurance, where you get your health insurance is driven by where you work uh, and what that company that you work at does for health insurance benefits. Um, and so one, one change we made was we decided to sell some group health insurance and that's going really well. And then we also decided, hey, we got to build leg up benefits this year. And Tyler, you reached out to me at one point and said, what about, you know, you buying, what about me building leg up benefits for you versus you trying to figure out some stranger to build this? And I immediately said, yes, we worked out a short term uh, arrangement to allow you to spend your, uh, a great, a good portion of your sabbatical working on this. Um, But it was, it was pretty much thinking through like you building this for a year and this uh, thing that we were going to build, it was what we were calling leg up benefits. And it was a way for employers um, to give money uh, to employees to go buy their own health insurance in a way that we would go make super tax advantaged in the best way possible. That is not what we decided to end up building. Um, so basically what we went into the sabbatical with uh, as a plan and what we're coming out with, both from a partnership arrangement and a, 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 a product perspective, uh, it's, it's not even close to what we thought we were going to do. Yeah, it's it's a great example, and we can dive into this more. But I, I love the quote. I think it's a Mike T- Tyson. It's some boxer's quote that everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Like we've we we've been talking about this on the podcast since I think January, maybe. Um, and we thought we like. I looked at your your product specs and was like, "This is fully fleshed out." Like, I'm just going to come in and do what Rick said. And first of all. When I started working on it, we realized, oh no, there's like a like as soon as you start working on it, there's a million things to decide, and so we immediately started tweaking the plan quite a bit. And then, when I was in Utah, because I spent ten days in Utah, we just decided to completely pivot what the product was going to be and built built a, a different thing. So, um, yeah, I should can I pause real quick and just say we're about to do what I hate podcasts doing. I hate podcasts where two people are talking about a thing where both of them already know what the thing is because it comes off more like a press release than like an actual honest conversation. Yeah. So apologies to listeners that there will be less brainstorming than normal because we're actually like working together right now. But whatever. Yeah, that think is, of this as context of, of like uh, the hiatus we did for the podcast um, that we did <laughs> for offline conversations. And then we'll go back to our normal brainstorming yeah. while uh, figuring <laughs> it out. Um, it would have been interesting to record some of the conversations that we had 
because mm-hmm. they were to, they would have been like one hour long podcast episodes. Because um, we usually like when Tyler was out here, he he st- he he rented an Airbnb two blocks away, and so uh, at like nine o'clock or so, I would go over to his place for, and we would talk until um, we solved whatever problems in Roblox came yeah. out of the day. And the most impactful one hour conversation was where Tyler was like, "What if we can't like?" So one core feature that needed to be built for like a benefits was uh, payments through the ACH network. And if you're not familiar with payments, um, ACH is how most of the money moves in the US. Um, and we um, there are a number of different tools uh, out there via APIs that you can offload the ACH process to, uh, to be able to move money from employer to employee. If you, if you use payroll, um, for example, Gusto is a, a big payroll company. They use ACH to move money from employer to employee's paychecks. We were going to do the, a very similar thing for leg up benefits. Uh, on Tuesday or Monday when you were here, we were like, oh, uh, we might not get approved for being able to move money or worse. It's going to cost a gazillion dollars to be able to do this or worse. It's not going to work. It's going to take a a year or two to develop with the capacity of development that we have. And so Tyler was like, what if we started asking a question? Well, what if... yeah, Can we ahead. talk? Let, let me talk about the thing. Th- let me dive into those a little bit more because just in case anyone else is thinking about a startup that involves moving money. So we were looking at two main. So there's Plaid. Uh, n- that's not one of the two. Plaid is the company that if you've ever gone to like a mint.com type product and they're like, you need to connect your bank account and you enter your login for the other bank and it like pulls down your financial information. That's Plaid. Um, we didn't even get to the point of trying them out. So we can't say if that was good or bad, but they don't actually move money. And then there was Dwala and Modern Treasury were the two we were looking at for moving money, right? Yes, and, and Plaid does have a beta for moving money. So mm-hmm. um, there, there, you might our use case was not supported by that. But Dwala was the one that we thought came in, thought that was going to work for us. And then there's a Modern, modern Treasury is the other one. Yeah. And we still may end up doing this one day, but like you look at their website and it's like, oh yeah, just it, you feel like it's going to be like Stripe. And with Stripe, it legitimately is you sign up, make an API call and boom, you just made some money. With these, it's like you can get a sandbox and do stuff. But because you're moving money around, I think A, it can be used for money laundering. B, it can be used to like fund terrorism or whatever. There's all this stuff around. We have to get verified, first of all, which was a much more onerous process than we expected. And then anyone who's in the employer role who wants like we're going to transfer money from the employer to the employee, they have to do what's called KYC, know your customer. They have to basically prove that they're not money launderers and stuff like that. And we we're just looking at this like the actual moving money is not hard, but all the setup stuff to be allowed to move money was way harder than we expected. Yeah, agreed. Exactly. And and so you said, well, what if and, and forget how hard it was. There was a chance that we might not be able to get approved to, to do it. And so yeah. Tyler's out here. You know, he's like, I'm going to be working 24 seven on this for the next X days. I am blocked right now. What if we can't get unblocked? What do I work on? And that led to a very interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, again, we both know the answer. This is such a boring podcast. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but basically it was, okay. So if we can't move money around, what would we do? Right. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I thought this was like a, a, a massive moment in the history of leg up. Like, uh, basically we started thinking through like the, uh, the plan for handling that scenario. And we came up with an entirely better plan <laughs> and mm-hmm. we decided to abandon the original plan and come up with that new plan. And that new plan is effectively um, for the last few years, we've proven out a no code version of an application at like a health servicing consumers. 
And we were planning on basically creating a second app focused on employers. Um, but what Tyler came up with and suggested is, hey, what if I just built rebuilt Leg Up Health and added an, a, a, simp- a simpler employer offering to that? Um, and you ended up with one app that, um, you know, uh, basically uh, w- was more capable going forward. And that is ultimately what we decided to do. Yeah. Um, so like uh, some things I took away from this. Um, why couldn't you build Leg Up Health? So again, Leg Up Health is the consumer. Like I'm an individual person who needs to buy health insurance. I want to use Leg Up Health as my like agent, but it also has this kind of app, this no code software so I can like see my policies and stuff like that. You built that with no code. Why couldn't you just build the employer thing with no code? Um, good question. First of all, um, I, w- I think there's a separate question whether or not I should build anything with no code ever again, based on what I learned. Uh, from- That's what it, can, can we go yeah. down a rabbit yeah. hole here? Because one of my yeah. topics for this podcast I want to ask you about is now that we've done this experience, because we talked a lot about no code over the last couple of years. Yep. Um, you've been a big proponent of it. I have too. What do you, but now we're replacing your no code app with a full code app. Like what, what do you think about no code now? So I, I think, um, amazing once, once you sort of were able to go through and see what we were doing. Okay. How do I explain this? I'll answer your first question first. So leg up benefits, no code is harder than leg up health, no code because a leg up health, no code is just one user per account. Um, leg up benefits, no code required an employer admin account and then the, the ability for that, uh, person to that user to add multiple people to their account with different permissions, much more complex user management and uh, UI uh, uh, dynamic UI based on the user. So that, that was why it was hard, but like to your, the the more interesting question, which is like, why should you build an app on no code? And I think the answer is yes to prove validation. But what I, what I am learning from this experience is we stayed on the no code version for way too long. Uh, (laughs) We proved this out and then, Maybe, maybe in hindsight, 2020, but like we, there, the amount of time I spend worrying about product uh, and software development when I'm not good at it is huge. And then second, we are the, 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 the processes that we've built around managing the no code tool and the waste of energy that we've developed and will like just grows with every client that we add. Until Tyler started just taking it away and making it not like making showing us like with the with the the app with what you're building like hey this could be like just a button click was pretty significant. Yeah, I was really surprised because you've done some pretty sophisticated things with no code. But the sorry, let me back up. One of the the huge benefits of no code, I said with the with the new thing we were building at first, I thought you'd spec it out because we both looked at this Notion document and we thought we said it. And then when you get into the details, you're like, oh man, there are so many little decisions that haven't been we haven't thought of. One real benefit to having the no-code app is I'm like, you already have a database schema. I just logged into Airtable and I was like, here's all the fields we need. I'm just going to move that over to my SQL. Um, and like a lot of the interactions and stuff, I didn't like, it was almost like a really good specification document for me to base off of, which was really valuable. But I was also really surprised how many times I, I'd see something and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to offend you and be like, you're you're bad at it. But I'm like, this is not how I would design an app. Like politely, why did you do it that way? And you were like, oh, I couldn't figure out a way to do it the way you'd think to in no code. And it was totally counterintuitive what you could and couldn't get working in no code. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And the, 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 the amount of like things to get something, there's a lot of human in the loop stuff, right? Like there's what you show the customer like looks like a real app, but on the back end, you're cobbling things together 
Um, and some of the cobbling is, you know, uh, JD or I holding two, you know, links together uh, <laughs> as hard as we can. Um, okay. So like in retrospect, if you could go back, you'd say like, use no code. Like if you're a non-technical co- So first of all, if you had, let's say my level of coding experience, probably just start with code. There's not really a reason you see for a software engineer to use no code. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm seeing how fast you can work within these frameworks that you're playing with, with, uh, was it PHP Lar- Laravel? Yeah. Laravel. Um, th- I mean, it's basically like I would go low code, but you know, yes, there's yeah. no reason to like, uh, but, but, but for a non-technical founder, mm-hmm. um, like me who need, who, who didn't want to like, here's the conversation that I go back to. I was explaining this to someone else. Do you remember on the podcast where I was like, I want to start a business and I want to hire, I want to bring someone on to build the code, but I don't want to give up half my business. And you're like, mm-hmm. you're not going to get anyone good. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think there's a huge difference between talking to you about like, Hey, here's an app with, we're on track for hundred K in revenue this year. Um, we've cobbled it together. Can you help me re- you know, rebuild this the right way? That's a very yeah. different conversation. I, I imagine the same could be true. So uh, the bootstrappers version of this is what you just said. I want to bring on a partner, but I don't want them to have half the business. The the typical VC backed models is, I think, similar, which is like the further you can get before you raise money, the better terms you're going to get when you eventually raise. So you might use no code to get a little validation and then get better terms when you raise money. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, I, I uh, would do no code again. Um, and I think no code's getting more powerful. Um, uh, but, but I think, um, man, like until, until you just said, Hey, like I could do the things that you're doing right now are things that I have thought about for years and not been able to do anything about. And the amount of brain power that has been stuck there versus like, and, and part of it's maybe the wrong focus for me. Like the, okay, here, here's what I'm trying to say. It, it, it's, it's to me. If you are going to, if you're a non-technical founder going the no code route, don't try to overthink it. It is what it is. Don't try Don't worry about making the, the two year, like the perfect roadmap mm-hmm. focus on top of funnel and break it as soon as possible. I wish I could go back yeah. in time and break, like make it so that we couldn't support it. And then I could have called you and be like, I need your help. Uh, and here's a real, like, here's the thing that's like, it could be three or four times the size it is right now. Right. Um, cause yeah, so it, it's, it's not as hard to build the real thing as maybe you were thinking. That's, yes. For a good, someone who knows what they're doing and no code won't scale. That's, that's my big take. Like if all you ever need is something simple, like, like, let's say you're running a content business and you're just selling eBooks, like, yeah, Gumroad will work forever. But if, if you need, if software is an important part of the business, you shouldn't be thinking I'm going to build it on no code and, and work as hard as I can to make it work forever. You should like no code should be thought of from day one as a temporary solution. And then you could base everything else you do around that understanding that it's temporary. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so to, to zoom back out of the rabbit hole. So I'm in Utah. We realize the financial thing is problematic. Uh, what if I just rebuild leg up health with full code, but add this employer thing. So basically employers can sign up invite their employees and the employees get the same leg up health experience you've been offering to kind of individual consumers this whole time. Yep. And then the employer, instead of like, can give money, but it's, there's no, uh, it just flows through their existing payroll system. So we don't have to touch the money. Um, and there's no tax advantages associated with it for V1. Um, we basically avoid it. We basically get the same value proposition at the end of the day to an employer, which is give money to your employees, add them to this tool. We'll, we'll take care of them. 
um, without the complexity of having to navigate the ACH payments. Yeah. Um, so this is, it's, it's a worse product, right? In, in a sense, like you're, you're at the, at be, you're definitely not getting tax benefits. And also it's not like moving money. And was there any value in us moving money in the first place? Arguable, but it certainly feels like more of a, oh, I get why this product exists when you can move money. So it's, it's like a slight downgrade, but way, way easier to build. And in some ways you were, when we had this realization, you were kind of saying also easier to sell. Um, simpler. Yeah. Like I, I've always kind of been of, of the opinion that people don't understand taxes and like, even if it's good for them to save money on taxes, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to message. Oh yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. And, um, when I was a little unsure about it, we had this conversation and I was feeling that, okay, we're going this different direction. I got to call JD and get, make sure he's okay with this. Cause mm-hmm. uh, this is what we talked about. And I called JD. He was like, that's a no brainer. He's like way easier to sell. Cause and JD's the one talking to employers every day. And so when he heard the, the, Hey, we're going to simplify this and make it less about taxes and more about just like all one, uh, health insurance concierge experience, because the trade-off was either you can have ACH payments, maybe, <laughs> Um, and that's like the product, or you can basically build a health insurance concierge experience uh, with a, 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 a stipend, a, a small yeah. amount of money with no money moving. And so JD was like, the health insurance concierge packaging to an employer is way more important than right. And I'm, I'm remembering now, even though this is only like a week and a half ago, I'm remembering that the original version wasn't going to have any of the health insurance stuff. Correct. Uh, so we were even talking, okay, so someone will have to sign up for a leg up health account to get our help with their health insurance, but then they'll also have a leg up benefits account to move money around. Um, so yeah, it, it, I, I said earlier, the product got worse. It got better in the sense that it merged these two together so that, uh, yeah. Okay. I, the biggest so much benefit though. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy amounts. Um, the, the biggest, I think benefit coming out of this is, um, we are going to have one application, um, uh, that supports, both leg up health and both consumers and employers on our core service, which is the health insurance concierge in Utah, mm-hmm. um, around the market, like the, the, the individual health insurance policy. And, uh, that's one piece. The second piece is I am no longer going to be involved in the day to day sort of support of the software. Um, and I don't think I realized that was going to be an outcome of this. That was not going to be an outcome in the, in the, v1 version but this new version like i actually i have some limited number of hours i can work on this business per week right now and that immediately shifts the top of funnel yeah yeah which that was a big when we when we kind of had this idea there were a lot of like it seems about tied the two options like try to get the the find the moving money around or doing this other thing and then we're like oh jd thinks it'll be easier to sell oh okay oh rick can spend more time on top of funnel okay and then there I think there was a third big benefit here. Um, if if I can go self-indulgent for a second here. We talked about my compensation in a previous podcast episode, and it was based around the idea. So to summarize for people who didn't don't remember that, um, it's basically like you are gonna pay me fifty thousand dollars, and then I was gonna reinvest that back in the business and get paid out if it works up to three hundred thousand. But like mm-hmm. more or less, you're paying me for building the MVP. And nothing beyond that. And then we said, we can top it up later if we want to. The reason we took that approach is the complexity of that first idea for the product where we're moving money around 
it was clear it was going to need a developer who could devote more time than I could after the spatical ends, right? Like, because it wasn't just move some money around. It was like, oh, and then we'd like to use Plaid to pull down their balances. We can show them the balance of stuff. And let's add IRAs to this and 401ks and let's like turn it into a whole benefits platform. So I was like, well, I obviously can't do that with like one night a week or whatever I'm going to be putting in post sabbatical. So all I can do is be this mercenary, come in, build the MVP, leave, and then you go find someone else to take it from there. This new approach is so much simpler. It, I, I think we both kind of saw like, I can just be the tech guy on this forever, potentially, or at least until we decide to take a more ambitious technical challenge on. So we, we re, renegotiated the, the compensation. So now I'm kind of on board long term, which I, I'm really excited about as, as one of the side effects of this. Yeah. So this is probably the big, it's not, this is a, the biggest thing coming out of this. So I, I'll, I'll say what it is and then I'll say why I'm excited. Um, so to, when Tyler came, I, I was looking, Tyler was looking at himself as a contractor coming into this original build. I was looking at him as a, a sub partner, like not a full partner, but like a special type of partner. Um, and I think w- we hadn't worked together. What like this in 12 years, 12 years. Yeah. yeah. So I think what we both were interested in learning, I can speak for myself. Uh, I think this is also true for you, but like I was interested in like how we would collaborate. Um, would it be the same as when we were 20 something years old? Um, and I think it was better in a lot of ways. Um, and we didn't yell did it, at each other, <laughs> <laughs> but we got intense. Like there were some, like we got, we, we, we argued, but we argued our, our working relationship is, is as productive is, is as productive as it was in our twenties, but way more healthy. And, uh, and I don't know, we're better at what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and so that was like, oh, wow, this is fun. Like there's like this, oh, this has been missing in my life. Like, um, and, and I, I, you know, I left every night that we talked like, man, I wish we could do this. I wish this wasn't just this week. Um, and then one night you're like, I want to talk to you. Um, and you said, Hey, like, well, how can we make this like more long-term? And like, I wanna, you basically said, I want to be a partner. And, uh, that was like the best night of my, of my year. So, um, we worked that out. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the details of, of that arrangement, um, but effectively like what it is, is that Tyler is, is going to be a, a third partner at leg up. I'm always on board with transparency. If you are, if if, yeah, if you don't mind, details, let's yeah. do it. So, because we just right before recording this, we finished finalizing stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you wanna you wanna give an overview of what the new agreement is? Yeah. So, um, basically, Tyler is going to be the third partner at Leg Up. At Leg Up, he's going to be uh, taking on responsibility for this initial software development build and then the ongoing maintenance as long as he can do it in the time that he outlined earlier, like is roughly one night a week, um, and. Uh, we um so 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 the arrangement um shifted to something that is is sort of forever um and uncapped like and so so we have um basically uh I, i'm going to explain it as like t- tyler proposed a tax um that i pay him on anything i pay myself and it's actually very creative and works in a lot of different scenarios but effectively um any uh tyler is is attaching his earnings to me and saying anything that leg up pays you is uh, taxed at 10%. And I get 10% on top of that. And um, that is true if I pay myself salary. It is, it is true if I pay myself um, uh, distribution, uh, dividends. Um, it is true in the sale of the business. Um, just think of it like any t- any time leg up health, the, the entity 
uh, generates business for uh, a dollar cash for me, uh, Tyler gets 10% of that forever. Um, and, uh, you know, he's going to get that immediately. Um, I'm not paying myself anything right now, so it's, it's, it doesn't mean anything in the short term, but then like the, the thing that we had to address is, okay, this assumes that you are here forever. What happens if you leave? And so, um, what we're designing is basically a, a long, a vesting period that says like at certain, if certain criteria are met, then you can leave and retain this forever, this 10% tax forever. Um, and, uh, anyway, it's, um, that's the gist of it. Um, I don't know if you'd add any more details. Yeah. Just, just, uh, the only thing I'll add is there's kind of two vesting triggers. So one is, uh, we need to hit, uh, like a certain amount of revenue from this new product I'm building. So I don't, if, if we never hit that, I don't get anything, but it won't matter because there's nothing to share then anyway. Um, I get half of it at that point. And then there's another fi- from that point that that triggers the rest vests over the next five years. So this, let's say it takes a year to hit the first vesting trigger. We're talking about something like locking in for six years here. This was a really important part. I think for both of us is there's a whole different way of talking of, of being a part of a team when you feel like you're a contractor for a temporary project versus six years is not forever, but like it's enough that we can just proceed as if like we're partners. We don't have to talk about money. We don't have to talk about compensation. We don't have to renegotiate every year. We just have this locked in for a really long time. Now, either of us can bail at any time and the vesting stops, but it's, I think we're both very excited that like we don't have to tiptoe around. Like I, I can't tell you how many times prior to this new arrangement, I would be like, well, so here's the plan. If I'm still doing this next year, this, otherwise that we just don't have to have that kind of fork in the road conversation anymore. Agreed. Um, I'll, I'll just disclaim that like, uh, there's two things I want to talk about related to this. One is JD being like, and, and, and like how this impacts him and, and also like JD's impact on getting this deal done. Cause I think there's a lot of recognition there, um, that this would not without JD, this is not meaningful to either of us. Um, and then the second piece uh, is uh, I want to talk about like the, what we designed will not work in every scenario. And I think that you, I want to just like talk about why. So mm-hmm. I'll start with the second one. Um, don't do a 10% tax uh, with someone that you don't trust forever uh, because effectively what I'm getting out of this is I am get I, you, you could look at this two ways. You could look at this as a liability that I'm accepting for, for the rest of my life that, or the rest of like a pelt's life. Whereas like Tyler is like going to be there. Um, and, and so like if I, if, if Tyler and I ever have a spat, like this could co- complicate things, um, big time. But, As is the case with any founder type relationship. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, but, but like, there's also this asset, which is like, Tyler is incentivized to make me money now. Um, and so, uh, and then I also like working with Tyler and I want more Tyler in my life. And so when I look at this, I'm going, okay, so the, like one person might look at this and go, this is a bad financial, like long-term liability that you're, that you're accepting. And I look at it and I go, yeah, it's a long-term liability that gets me Tyler in my life and him helping me, uh, not that he, helping me more than he's already helping me. And, um, like, uh, he's incentivized to like, uh, like make me lots of like help me make money. So he makes money. So yeah. that was a big win for me. Um, to like sign up for this like sort of forever uh, tax um, because it's, it's in a, it aligns all the things that are important to me. Um, but but that might not be true for other people in a different situation. Right. A good deal is one where both sides should be able to look at it and say, you got the better end of the deal. 
And I, you could look at it through a lens for me where it's like, I'm providing a lot of value right now. I'm not getting paid anything for the time being. And when I, you know, you could give that argument and you could give the argument for you. But the key thing is, so both of us win and we're aligned. Both people winning and unaligned, that's how you end up with like, okay, you get a winner and a loser. Um, but if you're aligned and both people can look at it and say, this is unfair like for one or, one or the other, um, I think that's a sign of a good deal. Yep. Agreed. Um, the, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about related to this is JD. The first is like the reason, one reason I like this is this has no impact on JD's compensation, no negative impact. If anything, it has a positive impact on his compensation because we've got Tyler and his horsepower helping leg up health. And so it should lead to faster growth of the business and more productivity for JD. Um, and then, uh, the arrangement with Tyler does not affect uh, JD's comp at all. Like his, he's not diluted at any way. Um, his, his comp is not affected by being paid Tyler. My comp is, but, but JD's is not. And that was really important, uh, for me. But I also want to talk about like a big part of our, like your interest in doing this was the fact that JD is here and doing mm -hmm. what he's doing. Um, do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. So, well, uh, there's a lot to talk about here and maybe uh, if I don't touch on exactly what you're talking about, feel free to supplement this, but I'll say one of the concerns I've had about this from the, even with our original deal was like, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the business. I'm a big believer in you. You're not working. You're not putting in a lot of hours right now. And it is kind of like a, a company with a part-time CEO, like Twitter, for example, is <laughs> always a little concerning. Um, but what totally kind of mitigated any of those concerns or e even just like made me even more excited about the business is JD, Rick, well, now my partner as well, is full-time on the business. And really, I, I, I talked to JD, I had a conversation with him before any of this happened. And I was like, what do you think like your role is versus Rick? Like, what's the dynamic between you two? And what he explained to me is like, uh, Rick's really good at like big picture strategic thinking and all this. And uh, I don't know if he used these words, but he was like, I'm, I'm the in the trenches person. Like, I, I just like to know what I need to get done and go do it. And so it's kind of like strategy versus execution sort of. And having someone that you've worked with him for years prior to this, he's got tons of industry experience and he's going after and executing on the plan. I mean, that, that makes the business so much more appealing. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's exactly um, right. And then, and then, uh, you know, the, the other thing that gets exciting is, um, JD continues his role with, uh, without impact. Um, I shift my hours to top of funnel to supplement JD, but the big thing that like, I can't, it'll come out in future podcast episodes, but I don't fully understand the impact of is all the things that we weren't doing with the product and the software because of the no code that Tyler's going to be able to do over the next six months is going to have such an impact on JD's like ability, like to, to be an iron man and like do more, uh, with this business. Like I don't, I can't even, ex like, I don't even know what yeah. to expect. I just think it's, uh, like part of your job, I think is like increasing his capacity to service consumers and employers. And I don't have any idea where that's going to go, but I know it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Can I, uh, j just to, uh, anyone listening can tell Rick and I are like really excited and we're, it's a bit of a love fest right now here. Um, <laughs> if I can depart from that, I had a different topic I wanted to talk about yeah. that kind of touches on that. Um, so like one of the things I got out of this sabbatical, I I'll say a thing that like made me nervous is the perception that is this is this a sign that he's not as interested in less annoying CRM or whatever, which it certainly wasn't. I think it's very healthy for people to have side projects. 
But one of the things, it, it really helped me solidify why I love lessening serum and why it's the perfect job for me. And one of the big things is what, like I am the product person in both, in both, both cases. I'm doing product for leg up. I'm doing product for lessening serum. But what that means is so radically different for these two companies because leg up health is fundamentally a services company. You, you've even, I think even in the intro of the podcast, uh, it says like a, a what software enabled services company. Is that how you describe it? Mm-hmm. So like software is a part of it, but it's not really the product that people are buying. The value isn't coming from the software. Less knowing CRM, our best customers log in every single workday and leave it open all day. And they're using it potentially 40 plus hours a week. The user experience matters. The design matters. They care a lot about features. Like I know indie hackers always say market more. Don't worry about features. But if you're making a CRM, the features matter a whole lot. It's such a shift to go to leg up health where it's like, oh, this needs to do the stuff. Like it needs to have the functionality it needs. And if it works, nobody will ever log into it. Right? Like, like we're we're talking about migrating from the the no code system, the new code, the, the new system uh pretty soon. We can't move passwords over because they're hashed, obviously. So we're just gonna send everyone a password reset email. And you were like, Oh, fewer than half of the people will bother to reset their. They just they'll just be like, oh, I, I can't log in, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine because the value comes from their their service they get from JD, right? Yeah, and maybe we shouldn't even send that password reset email. By the way, <laughs> yeah, just they try logging in and it doesn't work, and they're like, eh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what my role long term leg up health is likely to be once the core product's working is it's going to be automating JD's stuff. It's going to be saying not automating is the wrong word because it makes it sound like we won't do service, but like. All the things that are manual processes for him, how do we streamline that and make it more efficient? So on the one hand, I'm really excited about it being a change of pace for me and kind of flexing some new muscles, but it's also made me like, like as a person who cares deeply about building user experience, a product where the best user experience is to never use the pro- the software, it's making me realize how much I appreciate my role at Less Annoying CRM too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because you're you're designing around... Lots and lots of users using it actively. That's interesting. Yeah, like if you're, I guess what I'm saying is, if if you're a listener out there thinking about starting a company, if what you love is product development and UX type stuff, don't build a business where the goal is for no one to use the product. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, the other, the only thing I would say there is like your 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 cut your your end user is actually JD. Um, yeah, yeah, that's and, a good point. And so you like if you if you there's probably. You know, if we if we ever get to a point where we have twenty coaches using the software every day, like that's who you should be thinking of as your primary client. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I get it. Um, sorry, I kind of interrupted your train of thought to go down that rabbit hole. I like it. I liked it. I think I'm, I think we're good on the leg up stuff. Um, anyway, like we're we're Tyler's a partner now. We're we're building a new application. It's going to launch in May, and we're going to conquer the world together. Oh um, yeah. The only other update I have is that um. Last last episode, I, I mentioned that we have a marketing coach um, that we've hired at Leg Up, and I wanted to just share an update on that. Um, it's going really well. Uh, JD is doing. Um, we were going to take a sort of a we know what we're doing approach and just go out and try to pitch people like on a standard pitch that we developed, which it could have worked. Like, um, and now uh, JD, we're kind of going after like there's this thing called customer development. Um, popularized by a guy named uh, Rob Fitzpatrick in the mom test. It's a very popular book in the indie hacker crowd. Um, but like basically JD is going through an inter- customer interview process with prospective employers in Utah. And we've identified that startups and professional service firms 
um, are the, the first target verticals we want to focus on. I'm particularly interested in professional services. And the reason that we're interested in those is typically they're two to 19 employees or small local shops, mostly Utah people, like very localized. Um, they it's white collar, um, in that like, uh, benefits are, are going to be an expected or, or important part of compensation revenue per employees high enough to where budget budgeting health benefits is, is, is reasonable. So it's got all those factors. But the exercise that um, Garrett, who is our marketing coach, is putting us through is, is really, really good. Um, and so I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I wanna, my biggest challenge, and I want to get your input on this, is I want to combine, like, I feel like we have two competing priorities. We've got JD doing interviews mm-hmm. um, through, through this coaching process where we're going through positioning exercise and messaging, which is the right way to start a business. Like, it's what I did with Leg Up Health. Um, and then this other competing priority of like 100 at-bats pitches. And I feel like they're competing with each other and not, we're not moving as fast on either of them as we could if we just combine them into one thing. Um, so you want him to pitch people. So, so there's the customer interview where it's not a pitch. It's we want to learn from you, but we're not asking you to buy anything. And then there's the hundred pitches. You're saying, can we, can we interview someone and pitch them at the same time? I'm saying let's change the goal to something different that evolves. Like maybe it's just a hundred meetings. Um, but the, in order for that to work, I was rereading, I rewrote my mom test notes. Um, uh, from, cause I took notes on the book and, and one of the things that he says in there about customer interviewing is like what people get wrong is a lot of people just do the customer interviews. Mm-hmm. They don't ask for a commitment at the end of the interview. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And so I, I, I basically, I, I think as long as we shift our interview process, cause right now we're not asking for a commitment at the end of the interview to asking for a commitment, like an introduction or like I, and that commitment can evolve as we learn, like to eventually like, would you like to sign up? Then I'm good. Like making like, let's go do like 30 customer interviews and not worry about pitching for, for the next until we change the. Yeah. And so pe- people talk about the mom test all the time. And I feel like this is a part of it that gets left out is mm-hmm. th- there's two reasons to, to ask for the commitment. And, and you kind of touch on this, but let's be clear. A commitment doesn't mean buy, doesn't mean buy my thing. It could be, I want another meeting with you, or I want you to introduce me to somebody else. One reason for this is if you ask someone like, hey, you know, not, not that you should ask a question this way, but like, do you want to buy our product? Like, like, is this product worth building is kind of the, the fundamental thing you're asking a lot. If, even if they're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. If you're like, could you like put me in touch with two other people I could talk to? If they won't do it, they're not actually interested. So partially it's a validation thing. Right. And then also partially it's like, well, yeah, you actually do have to sell this at some point. So like <laughs> try to sell it. <laughs> Yeah. So do you, do, I mean, are you generally supportive of, of combining those two efforts into one effort and, and aligning them to like the ultimate goal, which is to get uh, employer customers at the end of the year? Yeah. I'm, let me think. So first of all, I, I introduced one person to JD and so I've, I've saw what that email looked like. And I know he said like, I'm not going to pitch you on anything in this. Um, I, I think he would have to not say that if, if we were looking for some sort of commitment, um, which is fine. I guess my instinct is like, how many customer interviews do you really need to do? Like, you've been in this industry for a long time. Like, it doesn't strike me like you need to interview 100 people. I want to but- stop calling them customer interviews at some point. But like, I guess uh, right now, like, here's here, here's here's some context that I don't think I've given you. In our marketing coach meeting this week, we do an hour with Garrett every Thursday. Garrett, I was like, guys, like, we're making tons of progress in this interview thing, but I just want to call attention. like the goal that we have for this project is right. getting a hundred pitches right. Where are we with that. And the answer, like we, we kind of fumbled around it. It was like zero, like we've, we've made zero progress. And it's like, so that creates some tension. I think mm-hmm. healthy tension. Like, I'm not saying the reason I call it out is I want, I want us to be like 
making a trade-off decision between customer interviews and pitches. And, but, but it created this like, oh, we're, we have competing priorities when that doesn't feel right. They're actually the same thing. They should be leading. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But so I don't have strong conviction about what I'm about to say, but it reminds me of a little thing I said, uh, one or two or three episodes ago about what, how we've kind of changed our product development stuff where we used to say like, we've got five developers, uh, let's you know, you work on project A, you work on project B, you work on project C. And we've had a lot of success saying, no, everyone work on one thing and get it done five times faster. Uh, there are a lot of benefits to that. But like, to to play devil's advocate here, I might say, rather than saying combine the two together, what if you said like, no, we're doing one and then we're doing the other. I agree doing the two in parallel at the same time is not the right move. But is the solution to combine them together, is the solution to say, we're going to do customer interviews until we're done with them, and then we're going to do pitches. Um, it's possible. Um, I, I, I actually like the mom test approach, which is well, he doesn't say this explicitly, but what he's saying is do customer interviews and evolve that into a pitch, and, sure. and it's, it's all one fluid motion. And I would like to have JD thinking like that, where it's not like we're going to go to 10 customer interviews and then we're just going to go do 10, like 90 pitches. I want to do a hundred customer interviews that eventually the customer interview becomes like a pitch. I think that's okay. That's not necessarily, that sounds good to me. I just would be very clear about where we are. Like our, like maybe the first one is 100% customer interview and the last one is 100% pitch. When I first heard what you were saying, I was imagining each one's 50, 50. Mm-mm. Um, and maybe in the middle as you're passing through it's 50, 50, but like we should be clear about what our priority is because th- th- these two things have different, like, like Garrett's job might be different and JD's job might be different depending on where we are on that spectrum. I agree. So, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, um, I'll push on this further. I, uh, yeah, yeah. The, what the next step is what ch- the commitment that we're asking for is what changes, but the commitment being asked for is, is consistent throughout. Like the commitment might be, Hey, do you know any other small business owners that you could introduce me to? um, today. And then, uh, on 100, it's, would you like, would you like to buy this? Um, mm-hmm. and I, the, I could probably do a better job of, of articulating like the spectrum there. Um, and that would probably bring this to life. So yeah. I will do that. But I definitely having the two things going on and just like informally ignoring one of them is definitely not the, the way to go. So yeah, sounds good. Cool. Thank you. Uh, huh. Um, all right. I just, got- I, I just want to plug, um, I am having an awesome experience with this coach. Uh, I I think I waited too long to hire a coach for this area. Um, it's especially with how little time that I have on like a health. He is he is adding he is getting he is maximizing the amount of time I have on like a health in this area, and uh, it's huge. So yeah, let's talk about that because I was just about to ask you. Like we we when we were in person, we were kind of talking about what. What are your strengths? What are my strengths? And so on. And you said like one of your big ones is top of funnel, which is a big part of marketing. And yet you hired a marketing coach. So if you were full time, do you think you still would have, it would still be a good idea to hire a marketing coach? I am of the, yes, LeBron has a coach. Um, and, and I, I, this is new for me. I just want to disclaim like, this is a new, I, I don't know what, I can't explain this shift, but like, I just had this epiphany where if you want to be the best of the best, no matter what like you think you're good at, like having someone who can help you maximize your potential, a coach, in other words, mm-hmm. is is why wouldn't you? And yeah. it's, so yes. 
I, I I totally agree. Um, I don't necessarily practice what I preach here. I don't have any coaches that I know of, but um, I used to think I used to really roll my eyes at the idea of a business coach because I was like, if the idea is that you know more about this than me, you wouldn't be a business coach. You'd be running a multi-million dollar SaaS company. So you're full of shit. That's always what I thought. And first of all, just not everyone wants to do that. Like some, like the same way some people are naturally good at teaching, teaching and they want to do it. Um, and other people want to be more applied. But also the thing that I was missing this whole time is like, no one ever said the coach has to be better than you. When you're a kid playing sports, the coach is, it's like my water polo coach was a great water polo player and he would get in the pool and just school us. But there's nothing like in college, we didn't have a coach at all. Our, our water polo team was just totally self-organized. It would have been great to have someone who's never played water polo in their life just to be like, hey, everyone, uh, time to move on to the next thing. It's time to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm time boxing this. And uh, uh, JD, you're not participating enough. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I've, okay. I've come around on this that I, I buy the idea that even if you're an expert and even if the coach, not, not that you know, Garrett's necessarily worse than you, but like, even if they're worse than you, it can still be valuable to have a coach. And he's better than me in the, at this, at this stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like one thing that has happened that has probably caused both of us to have this negative bias is that there's a proliferation of coaches who have no business being coaches, um, because they want to be a coach, not because they are a good coach. Um, and so I think, uh, who you hire as your coach is the difference between this working or not. Um, and it's not, it's, I think it's hard to find the right coach. I, I, I will call that out. Yeah. And sometimes maybe having no coach is better than the wrong a coach. Bad coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cool. We've got uh, a few minutes here. Should I, what should we talk about? Anything you want? I'm, I'm, I've got all my topics covered and I'll just say thank you for, uh, I, Thank you for everything you've done for for me over the last couple of weeks. It's been really powerful. So thank you. Likewise, man. I've I've had a just a great time, and I realize this is just the beginning of it. But um, again, back to the well. Thank you for saying that. That's nice of you. Back to the less annoying thing. Again, I was I was a little nervous. Like how how are these two going to play off each other? And just like I feel like an entrepreneur again, um, which gives me so much more energy for less. Like I Friday was one of the best work days for less annoying I've had in a long time. Now, maybe that's because it's my first day back from sabbatical or whatever, but like, I really think there was like a tiny part of me that had been withering away. Just like, like if you think of your muscles, I had been exercising some of my muscles a lot. Like I skipped leg day and now I feel like th this, I, I just feel so energized by getting back in the the startup game. Yeah. And I, I think I, I, I didn't realize we've always had some tension, um, on the podcast since I've gotten focused on entrepreneurship about my ability to focus on one thing. Um, and it's, it, I had, I had forgotten that you've kind of always had a, mo a couple of things going on. Um, and, and I hadn't really put it together that like, I'd forgotten that things, too. Yeah. One of those things went away. Uh, and you've been trying to kind of replace it with something unsuccessfully. You've had, you launched the less knowings, um, business blog that, that didn't fill it for you. You, mm -hmm. um, I think you tried something else. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it was, but like some investment thing. Um, and yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And then the, you, did, yeah, the call you were mentioning, like my role in the calm fund community and stuff, which it's not that it didn't work. It's just like being an LP in a fund is not really that active of a position, obviously. <laughs> yep. But yeah. And, and for people who don't know what Rick's talking about, uh, or, or what I'm talking about that I'm missing something, when so I started less knowing serum with my brother, and then after like maybe six months to a year, like pretty early on, 
I helped my mom start a food blog called The Yummy Life, which is still going, but it's very much on cruise control. So there's not like anything for me to do there really. Um, but yeah, I was kind of, I kind of had two, it, it was very clear what my main thing was. Lesson Knowing Serum was always my main thing, but um, just having something on the side to, to kind of cross train, you know, Michael Jordan took ballet lessons, right? Like uh, anyway, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Uh, let me give a real quick shout out just so I can knock this off the list and then we can call it a day. Does that work for you? It sounds good to me. Uh, have you heard of, it's called see ya future dot me, like see ya future me. Um, have you heard of this? No, it's kind of a silly gimmick. Uh, I think it's created by, I forget who, but someone in the indie hacker space. So it's see ya y a future dot me. Um, and the idea is you can just record a video of yourself and they'll hold on to it. And uh, just email it back to you after I'm doing a year, uh, but after a month or whatever. So I did this a year ago and I completely forgot about it. I just recorded a video of like what my my goals at Less Annoying CRM were at the time, what I'd hope to get done over the next year. And so earlier this week, I just got this video of myself from a year ago saying what the goals were. And it was uh, it was pretty eye opening, to be honest, because I feel like anytime you set goals, you just like they kind of shift over time. And by the time you get to the point where you should be evaluating them, well, like imagine you did that a month ago. Your goal with like a benefits would have been nothing like what we're building now. And that's not to say it's wrong, but I, it was really interesting looking back and being like, wow, what, like, what a great opportunity to reflect on how, not only how did we get it done or didn't we, but how much what I wanted has changed over the last year. Interesting. Do you, can you share what you said in the video? Well, yeah, it's uh, so I'd never done it before. So I, I, I think I did it poorly. I basically just said what I wanted product and growth goals at Less Annoying Serum to be. Um, we did not get the product stuff done. We, mm -hmm. we got some of them done, but uh, I would say partially we changed what the, sorry, you asked for me to share what the goals were. I don't know. It was like, um, it was just build a bunch of features, basically. I, I I don't remember off the top of my head what they were. And we did some of them, but not most of them. Part of it was just too ambitious, and part of it was, I think, pointed in the wrong direction. And then there were growth goals, and I said I wanted to be at 40 to 50K ARR growth per month. We're not there. This was I recorded it right before like the demand maven engagement. and like We, we had a lot of ideas for growth last year that I don't want to say they didn't work, but like they didn't. we didn't crush it the way we'd hoped. So we didn't hit those goals yet, yet. Um, but I rec I just recorded a new one for next year, and now that I've done it once, I think I I think I did a better job of like actually thinking through my goals and all that. Um, sorry, I'm a little distracted. Can you hear like crying in the background? Oh, Nothing. My my dog is downstairs, just like making sea lion noises. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of distracting me. Um, no, anyway, so, but I, al I also set uh, some, some leg up health goals as well. So I did less annoying Ooh. product and growth and some leg up health stuff. That's cool. Um, I, uh, I, I'm looking at the website, see a future me, future dot, see a future dot me. It's made by testimonial dot two. This is a very brilliant, oh, yeah, Damon Chen, right? This is a very brilliant, like freemium marketing tool. Yeah. Um, brand awareness tool, like get people using your product and then like, wow. Yeah, Brilliant. it's cool. So anyway, we all set goals. This is a great way to actually hold yourself accountable to what the original mind frame mindset you were in when you made the goal, as opposed to like a year later after you have all the context, you know, I encourage people to give it a shot.
Um, we should be using the testimonial dot to it, leg up health. Holy crap. Should you? There, there are a couple of tools like this. They, they are expensive though. This one's 25 bucks a month. Oh, is that it? Oh, I thought. Yeah. Okay. All his tweets are like, oh, I raise prices again. I raise prices again. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> I the whole the whole indie hacker bootstrapper world is like so in love with raising prices. And I get it. There's no better way. If you already have customers, there's no better way to just like immediately make money. But I do feel like Twitter. If you just hang out on Twitter, it glorifies raising prices to a uh, problematic degree. <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I'm not saying that to. I, I like Damon. I, I like uh, testimonial all that too. I'm not trying to shit on that. That's more of a general comment. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you've listened to the podcast before, uh, you know that Tyler feel how Tyler feels about price increases. Yes. Offer everything for free. You never get to have wealth. This is about suffering. Okay. <laughs> Let's call it. All right. Um, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.